get back into this uh, section again here, uh, verse 5 to 8. And uh, we're kind of stuck in here a little bit, but this information is critical. It's critical to go over, uh, kind of massage it in a little bit, and uh, look at these issues here of the identification truths. Uh, Romans, 5, uh, Romans 8, verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now we've been looking at this, we, we saw the power source, the the introduction to us in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4 about the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, some 19 times now in this section, in chapter 8 alone, is the Spirit going to be mentioned uh, by name? And uh, we looked at that. We looked at here at verse 5, the mind the things of the flesh versus mind the things of the Spirit. So we have a contrast now. And again, the 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 contrast here is with the flesh and the spirit. Notice it's not the you and the spirit, or you and the flesh, or the flesh and the spirit and you. It's you. You are not in the equation. I know, bummer. Okay, but you have the choice in the matter to walk where in the flesh or in the spirit. You're going to choose that. Which way you're going to go? If you look there at verse eight, so then they that are in the flesh uh, cannot please God. Well, how is that? Well, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. There's an, there, there's, there's a, there, there's a, uh, a, an enmity, a divide here. And when you walk after the things of the Spirit, when you mind the things of the Spirit, when you're spiritually minded, again, that has to do with everything and anything that concerns the Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at that last time. Uh, what the Holy Spirit is consumed with, what the Holy Spirit, we went back there in John and we looked back in John and so forth. He's not going to talk of himself. He's going to talk of me. He's going to give you the revelation. And when we saw that, the issue there is, is the testimony that the Spirit is producing as a testimony concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look across the page there at verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It, the Spirit, just as He did in John and in, in the Gospels and the earthly ministry, He does the same thing with you and I. And because of that, we then can have the same passion, the same thought process, the same thinking as the Spirit. And that is that issue of being consumed with the things concerning who Christ is and who we are in Him. And that's a tremendous thing because that's what the Spirit is testifying to. That's what the Spirit is going to witness to. So in this provisions here, how do we take that power that we have, this power source of the Holy Spirit, how do we take that and then bring it down into the details of life? And that's the provision. That's what we're talking about. Well, how do we do it? We walk after, pursue, go after, you know, hunt down the things that, the, that are critical to the Spirit, key to the Spirit. Well, what is that? 
anything and everything that deals with who Christ is, what he's done. And again, that's what the Spirit is going to push us to. And uh, he's going to use words. Uh, we, we saw that uh, um, last time. We're going to look again at that. He, he uses words that are going to testify. Come back over with me to John 16, just from last time, thinking about this. Um, if you think about this, I guess. If you look at John 16, the Holy Spirit, he's going to tell us who, the, who Christ is, what he's done. And he's going to do it based on the principle of using words. The first time we see the Spirit, Genesis 1, verse number 2, and the Holy Spirit moved over the, over the deep, over the waters and so forth. And in verse 3, the very first thing is, is, and God said. And so the Spirit goes to work. And he, the whole, it's, he's going to use words. Now, the wonderful thing about him using words is that those words are designed to produce functional life. Functional. The law, the flesh, functional death. We've talked about that. Now he's going to use words that are going to result in functional life and peace in our life. And the word of God, the words of God in the hands of the Spirit, that's how he's going to work. Look at John 16. Look there at verse 13. Now, again, this is the earthly ministry of Christ. He's talking to the, to the apostles in the upper room. He says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, again, the spirit of truth, what, where does the Holy Spirit operates in that realm of truth, that objective realm that's outside of you and I. When he has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not, notice, speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Come back into chapter 14, verse 26 here. And he says, he's, uh, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father, 16, or 14, 26, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Well, what did, what did the Lord say unto him? The four Gospels. Now he's going to speak of things to come. Now we've got Hebrews through Revelation. But he's using words. So when you come back to Romans 8, this morning we're just going to kind of go down through more of this contrast here. Again, just kind of work this in. Because the Holy Spirit is going to use words to communicate to us. He never works apart from the Word of God. He's always working with the Word. Where's our flesh going to work? Not in words, out in emotions and other things. And that's kind of what we want to look at. If you think about the flesh, when you think about the flesh in Scripture, he's not always talking about the body, the skin stuff, okay? But rather, he's talking about something that's inside of you. Uh, there's a there's a there's a uh, a self life. There's there's a there's um, there's a thing going on inside of you. You know what? You know today the well, not just today, but in the recent uh, probably five years or so, that uh, little wonderful word called selfie has popped up, and everybody takes selfies. 
right? I was watching a young lady one time on the school bus when I, when I drove, and she was taking a selfie of herself. She must have took 50 of them. Oh, man, I blinked. Guess what that is? That's the flesh. It's a selfie. It's the self-life. Okay? It's the great I am. It's all about me. See that? So we're not talking about just this physical body. Okay? We're talking about something operating within inside of you. The world is consumed with themselves. See? That's the flesh. By the way, the spirit is consumed with who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't speak of himself. He talks about the Lord, see. So when we talk, when we think about this, the, the, the flesh, it's an expression, it expresses the self-life. And the self-life, the selfie, is driven by the lust and affections thereof, Colossians calls it. And it's really to dwell, you think about the flesh, it's to dwell on the lust and the affections. It's to dwell on me. Now, verse 8, Romans 8, 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's going to be contrary to how the, how the Holy Spirit works. He doesn't operate in the realm of or utilizes our lust and affections to communicate his word. The big thing, if you think about religion and how they look at how the Holy Spirit works, what they think, okay? Where is it usually? In emotions? And how are you feeling? And, how, and, and you know, all of that supernatural, mum, I call it hoodly do. You know, they just kind of, this, all right, rather than in reality. And guess what? That's contrary to how the Holy Spirit works. By the way, Paul, Romans 8, Paul never talks about the Spirit working in the realm of your emotions, or affections. Rather, he what? Uses words, and he's going to teach you. Romans 8 here, he tells us to walk after the Spirit, up there in verse 4, right? Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 5, we're to mind the things of the Spirit. Verse 14, we are to be led by the Spirit. Ephesians 5, in advanced doctrine, he says be filled with the Spirit. We've been talking about that the second hour, that issue of letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the Word, let the Spirit, let the words grab hold of your inner man, of your thinking. And I'll be honest with you, we are to, we are to be preoccupied with His Word. That's where our preoccupation is. We're to be saturated with the words of truth. And because, of, because it's objective, it's outside of, it looks at you in a, in a very, it's, back when the reality shows started, I don't, you know, let, there was, I heard a guy say, it, it ain't real. You know, how many times have, I don't know if you've ever been about around people who fight for a living, boxing or martial art or whatever, you know, if you get kicked in the head once or twice, you're not going to get back up. But what happens in the movies? They're back up, you know. Well, that's not what? That's not real. We watched a show the other day, Linda and I did, and 
well, I should say I watched it. Linda just kind of went, enough of this. But it's one of these uh, back uh, Alaskan-type shows or so. And, sh and, and the guy hurt himself. And, I mean, the bone's sticking out, you know, it, not out of the skin. But, and, and he's sitting there going, well, that hurts. Linda goes, that ain't real. Because that guy would be down on the ground, passed out in pain, you know, because we've seen that before. Well, I don't know if it was real or not, but it, it made good theater for the TV. Because now what do you want to know? Is he going to be okay? Is he going to, where's the cat? Yeah, exactly. We're, oh, oh, no. You know, we're watching a show that she likes, and the main character's in trouble. She's going to die. I go, you can't die. You got ten more seasons. <laughs> you know, I learned that as a kid really early on, you know. But see, the thing is, is what are the, that's where our flesh works. The Spirit comes in and says, objectively, here's the deal. If you look there at verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Every person, lost or saved, possesses the flesh. When you got saved, he didn't yank you out of here and give you your new body. He left you here. He's got a purpose for you to do and be. And Paul, that's why Paul's, he's talking about something more than just this body. He's talking about something in us, in the realm of who we are. And the flesh has to do with that selfie, that self-life. And how it's the operating based upon our own, our own power, our own strength our choices, our decisions in life. We're exercising our effort in energy. And we're basing that upon our viewpoint, our opinion. Do you see that word, our? Romans 7, Paul said, I, 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 me, me, me. And the frustration is what's set in, 724, O wretched man that I am. You see, it's a, it's a mentality of self, okay? He's not talking about taking care of things that you've got to take care of. He's talking about a thought pattern. And the, the, the danger in the self-life, the danger in walking after the flesh is chapter 11, 7, verse 11. Because here's the danger of it. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it, what? Slew me. You see, sin exploits when you say, I can do it on my own. And I can do it in my own energy. And you know what sin does? It comes in and exploits that. And it comes in and it deceives you to think you can. And then as soon as you start doing that, who have you left? who you are in Christ. So you're over here, you got your back, you're doing. And, he's, and, and Christ is sitting over here going, hello, wait, I'm over here. Life and peace is over here. You're on the, well, you guys are on the wrong side of the room today. But you're on the death side. You know, and that's what happened. You're in chapter 7, look at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am what? Carnal. Sold under sin. Carnal. That's the flesh. The struggle. 
He's sold under sin, the defeat. You see, Paul's describing what happened in his life, and we've been through this. Here's our great apostle who became functionally dead, functionally useless. But yet, what did Paul do? He recovered. You see, we can get functionally dead, and we can also do what? Recover. We recover in Romans 8. See? We can fall into Romans 7 quickly, and we do, because that's what the flesh does. You can do this. You, you, your opinion, your decision, your pattern. And we need to get recovered because what is Roman 8 going to tell us here is, look, you've got a power center, the Holy Spirit. And, his, and, and, and if you access that realm, which is the realm of the word of God working, dwelling in you richly, now you're going to have, well, chapter, chapter 8 there, verse 6, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay? So if you think about this, we can fall in it. We can wallow in the pigsty. We can become dependent upon and obedient to and excessively loyal to the self-life. All it's going to lead to is frustration. Or we can come over. By the way, that's, what, that's the law. It's a system designed to get you to... to to try and straighten out your life, you know, thou shalt not, and you can't do it. The the Spirit comes in, and he says, okay, you've tried that. Now let's try this. And let's try to live in who you are in Christ. And if you think about, I, I try... Let's be saturated about who Christ is and what he's done for you. And I think about how, you know, how to illustrate this. And the simplest one is, 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 and for me in my mind is Romans 5, 6. <laughs> Romans 5, and I'm sorry, Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. The spirit-filled life, we've been talking about it. If you're struggling at the job, if you're struggling in marriage, if you're struggling in your family... Well, here's some instruction. Now, we're not going to talk about marriage. We're talking about wives next hour, marriage next hour, okay? But if you're struggling with something, let's go have this, let this be your mindset. Think about, look over at Ephesians 6. I'll get off my notes here a little bit. Just, Just think about Ephesians 6, and we're just going to pick verse 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. Look at Ephesians 6, look at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Now, that flesh is what? This right here, the material world we're living in, okay? That isn't the stuff happening in you. See, how do you know that? The, what we're talking about. Where are you servants? We're talking about the job. I like to use the job personally. I'll just tell you my thinking because everyone in the room has had a job. Whether you're married or single or parents or not parents, we've all done what? Worked a job. Now, notice something. You're to be obedient to them that are your masters. So you got a boss. You're to be what to that boss? Obedient. 
Now think about how much that goes against your flesh. What does your flesh say? That jerk doesn't know what he's doing. I can do it better. If I was in his spot, guess what? If I was the boss, we'd have lunch for three hours, work for two, another break for, you know, I would have all the, right? Yeah, that's what our flesh says, doesn't it? Three-day work week, get paid for 40, though, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's what our flesh says. But what does the verse say? What does the Spirit say we're to do? Be obedient to the master, your masters, according to flesh, with fear and trembling. Isn't that interesting? What does our flesh say? We don't fear anybody. We're strong. We're bigger than they are. We're better than they are. See? Again, the fear and trembling there, that's the issue of that authority. We looked a couple, uh, last uh, week ago or two in our, role, in our Ephesians 5 where we're submitting one, ourselves one to another in the fear of God, and that's that issue of authority. In singleness of your heart, singleness, guess where your mind is? Focused. When I clock in, I clock in and I do my job. I'm working. I'm there. But notice the end of the, how the end of that verse is. As unto Christ. You see, if I have a singleness of heart unto Christ, then it's going to fall where? On the job too. Do you follow, follow that? If I'm sitting over here with, my, with being spiritually minded, walking after the Spirit, where's it going to do? The same over here. Verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Notice the attitude. That's the point. What does our flesh say? You know, we're the, we could do that better. We can, and we rebel, and we take a, it's just a 15-minute break, but we've been there a half hour, nobody will care. We clock in 15 minutes early. We clock, you know, we're, we're waiting, we're doing, we're, we're, what are we doing? Working the system. See? But walking in the Spirit's going to say what? No, I'm here because I have responsibilities to pay for. <laughs> House, Ricky just bought a new car. Car, insurance, if you're married, wife, you've got family, fam- yeah, I got all this to deal with. It's my responsibility I'm to do. If you're a lady and you're working, your responsibility is to help in your, if you're married, situation, whatever, that you and your husband have worked out. And if you're single, you're just making because you, you know, you like to do stuff or whatever. But that's what, that's the biblical principle. Most people work to do what? Climb the ladder, get more money, have more things and whatnot. But when you come at it and approach it and thinking about it from, what does the Spirit say my attitude about work is to be? Well, what's my attitude here about who I am in Christ? I understand that. Verse 5 is very instructive. As unto Christ. Verse 6, 
not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Doing the will of God. And in Romans 12, he tells us that we're to be honest with all men. We, most of us have always heard, have, do an honest day's work. See, that principle. It doesn't come from dad and grandpa. It comes from the pages of scripture. Be honest with all men. Speak evil of no man. <laughs> you know, if, you know what they always say, you know, if, if you're five minutes early, you're ten minutes late, you know. Got to be ten minutes to be on times to be ten minutes early. If you're not, you're late. You know that kind of that mentality of being there. Why? Well, because what does Scripture say? Hey, your words to be your bond. It is the Lord's. Is His word? He says, by the word of the Lord, I'm going to do this, and we know it's going to be true. So when you come back to Romans eight, the flesh says what? I am the great I am. By the way. If you've ever moved from being in the servant position, worker, into management, you real quickly understand why management's the way management is. I did that. I moved out of the bus into the office, and I never understood as a bus driver why certain things were done until I got in the office, and guess what I found out? This is why it's done, because there's somebody higher up than you that says it's got to be done this way. So you know what I said? I said, I resign. I'm going back to the bus. <laughs> Just leave me alone down here with the chickens, you know. <laughs> Just leave me alone. And that's what happens. But the thing is, is what does our flesh say? By nature, naturally, your natural tendency, the natural operating of, the, of that inner I am, the self-life, the selfie. Come over to 1 Corinthians 2. We all do this, by the way. And if you say, well, I sure don't, then we're going to talk to somebody that knows you deeply. You know, usually the, the husbands say, I don't tell a lie, and the wife goes, oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, the idea there. But the, the thing is, is the flesh there naturally, by one man, sin entered into the world. We're all sons of Adam. And because of that, we have that natural thing. But you know what, though? If you're in Christ, you know what you have now? You have Christ as, a na- as you, as your nature. In Christ, we are naturally different. There's a nature there. Naturally. I, naturally, I, I have blue eyes, brown hair. That's, you look at Rick, there you go. That's what he looks like. Na- natural. The inner man, same way. See, in the inner man, there's a permanent sense here naturally to be what? Selfie, selfish. It's a natural thing. But in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, here's what your new nature is. Here's what you are. We are naturally what? The children of God, Romans 8, 16. What does the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit? That we are the children of God. He says, naturally, your nature, you got another nature. I, I did a study years ago, the two natures of the believer. You got a flesh side that wants to run it, and you got a, whole, you got a spirit side, who you are in Christ. We're, we've been forgiven. We're the sons of God. We've been forgiven. We've been accepted. 
by nature, this is who we are. Again, so if by nature this is who we are in Christ, I, that, you know, we are naturally righteous now. I don't know if you ever thought about that. In our sin law, in our old sin man, before salvation, we were naturally what? Unrighteous, wicked, <laughs> wicked, yeah. But because of Calvary and having that identity now given to us by the Holy Spirit about who we are in Christ, now we naturally have his righteousness. And now we're naturally qualified for eternal life. And now we are naturally qualified to operate in the heavenly places. Now we are naturally uh, qualified to do the things that, we, that God would have us do. Because what has God done? He's made us who we are in Christ. That's why this is so critical in our understanding. 1 Corinthians 2, if you look here at verse number 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Notice the natural working of your flesh in this verse. You have the three ways that your flesh operates. The eye gate, the ear gate, and the heart gate. With your eyes, with your eyes, what, do you, what, what happens there? You see it, don't you? You perceive it. You experience it. You know? Have you ever ex- saw something and you go, did I really see that? Where's instant replay? Let's play that one back, right? And your mind play. See, you, you experience it. Your ear gate, that's where instruction comes in. That's where the instruction of tradition and philosophy comes from. And religion. Oral tradition, pass it down from one campfire to the next. All that comes through your ears. I was watching a thing a couple weeks ago about a lady. She was uh, born deaf. And uh, they did uh, the cochlear ear plants. So she could hear. Now she's blind. She had a disease in her eyes, and she went from this down to this. To so she can't hear and she can't see. Now she can a little bit with the ear, with the implants, but I'm sitting there going, wow, what a... But you know what she can do? She does everything you and I do. She travels all over the world. She does this. She does that. She's got a job. And, does, and I'm just sitting there going, that's phenomenal. Amazing is right. But you know what? She lost what? Two gateways of knowing. The third area is the heart. That's the intuition. Jeremiah said that your heart is what? Deceitfully a wicked. (laughs) Who can know it? You can't know your heart. That's why Hebrews 4 verse 12, he talks about the word of God being quick and powerful and sharper than into it, dividing into the sunder of thoughts and intents of the heart. Only the word of God can de- decipher out what's going on. You think you're doing good? You think you're over here doing what you're supposed to do? And you're just doing it in your own energy. And you're doing it, see, it's that deceptive. But notice the end of verse 9. Uh, uh, but it, as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
The self-life operates right here. What do you see? What do you experience? What can you touch and analyze and feel? And none of it has to do with what God has prepared for them that love Him. It all has to do about you. So trying to know God by these three avenues will never work. You can't. But you can't. You got verse 9, you got to read verse 10. But God. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. See how God works? You see, he works in the realm of the Spirit. Your spirit and his spirit. And if we want a life of peace, if we want a life that where we're useful functionally, God has given us a conduit, he's given us a channel through the spirit to know the things that he's prepared for them that love him. To know, the end of verse 10, the deep things of God. Boy, don't we all want to know those? Boy, just give me the deep things, preacher. Well, I'm giving you some pretty deep stuff now, and we're in Romans 8. We're just getting started. You see, the ministry of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he's in the realm of the deep things of God. Now, the rest here, you've got to pay attention carefully, see how Paul develops this. Verse 11, for what a man knoweth, the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. How do you know that I'm speaking what I'm, what I'm saying and so forth because we have the spirit of man, humanity. I, I, people always get all, uh, all upset about trying to figure out the, the, the Trinity and God and what is he. He's God. And there's three members that belong to the, the race called God, the spirit, the son, and the father. Okay? They have the essence of deity, the essence of God. You look around this room. We're not all the same, thank goodness. But we're all what? Human. We all have different personalities, different ways to think. We all look different, which is praise the Lord. We all, you know, all have different attitudes and, and likes and dislikes. Guess what? God's the same way. So he says, hey, you know, you understand, when, when verse 11, you know what Paul's saying is, you understand how this works, because you and I communicate. We have the same spirit. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. If we want to know the things he freely gave us, what do, who do we have to have? The spirit of God. We understand that because we can understand each other because we have the spirit of man, mankind. But I have the spirit of God. Now, how did I get the spirit of God? Calvary. See how far we didn't get away from the cross? It's fantastic how close the cross is in everything. And he says, hey, because you've been to Calvary, you at Corinth. By the way, those at Corinth, you know where they were trying to know God? In the ear, the eye, and the heart. They'd been out there in the religious system. They're out there trying to do things in their own energy of their own flesh. That's why in chapter 1, you've got the four sects pop up. The four different religions popped up there in that church there, the churches there at Corinth. 
Why? Because they're trying to do it themselves. They want Apollos. You know why they want Apollos to be their leader? Because he's smooth in the Scripture. He was eloquent in the Scripture, the verse says. They don't want, you know why they downplay Paul and that he's weak and, 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 he's, and he's just ugly looking to look at, even though his letters are powerful and weighty, you know, he's contemptible in his speech, because they, didn't, they wanted the what? They wanted the shine. Somebody one time said if, if there was a mega church at, at, uh, in Paul's day, it would have been the Corinthians. And I'm like, man, that's pretty good. Self-driven. Verse 11, the only way to know the things that are freely given to us is to have the Spirit, the object, that objective revealer, revelation. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God has given us something that we don't have the capacity in ourselves to know. So who do we have to have? The spirit. Verse 13, which things also we speak. Think about that. We speak. Paul's epistles Paul is what? Speaking. His letters, the words that convey God's grace. When he says we speak, the things he's teaching, the things he's providing here, the things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Paul said, he's already done told them back up there in verse 1, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He says, I didn't, I don't, the things that I am speaking to you don't belong in the flesh, in the self-life. They belong over here in the spirit life. Which, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He says, hey, I'm conveying God's grace to you. Let's dwell here. Now watch verse 14. But the natural man, oh, there he is. There's the flesh. Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Notice the natural man, the flesh. <laughs> We've been, how... We were all born this way, verse 14. What are we born? Not perceiving. I, I, you think about that verse. Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. You know, God is absolute confident of his power and the reliable source that he has something in the realm of the Spirit that we don't have, and that is the freedom and the liberty to come and live under the Spirit and not live under the tyranny of our flesh. Do you know what the, you know what the natural man says? You, all of that is foolishness. Well, what, did, what does the wisdom of the world say in chapter 1? Preaching that Christ crucified... Chapter 1, verse... 24, verse 23, well, verse 18. 
For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, what? Foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. What's, the, what's that natural man say? That's a bunch of, you guys are a bunch of fools to believe that some Jew died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day. Do you know how foolish that sounds? Do you know how foolish it sounds to, to go here and to, and to try and to live a life based upon some principles out of an old archaic book that we all know is false? Do you know how foolish that is? For why in the world would you take a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night and a Monday night and a Monday afternoon and go sit around and talk about the Bible? Well, he says that verse back up in chapter 1, verse 23, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Why is that? Because the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Where are they stuck on? stuck on themselves see think about how the the natural man looks at this this is not why because the natural man says what i am powerful i am my own god i am it i'm the cat's meow and the word of god comes along and says no you're not sorry charlie you're not. So it's all what? Foolishness. Now watch verse 15. But he that is spiritual. Again, how, how do we become spiritual? Well, we go to the Calvary and we get the, and we get the Holy Spirit. Spiritual here isn't holier than thou. He's talking about operating where? in the realm of the Spirit of God, who's operating in the deep things of God, and he's revealing that to us through some words. Now watch verse 15. But he that is spiritual judge all, judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Man, look at what? Look at what Paul says there. Notice Paul's answer to the question in verse 16, that he may instruct the Lord. Who can do that? Well, on the face we would say what? No one. But wait a minute. What does he say? We have the what? We have the mind of Christ. The things of the God the Holy Spirit operating in your inner man is operating in the, again, the things of the Spirit has to do with what? Everything that has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ has everything to do with the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, then you know how to think the way Christ thinks. You have the ability to look at a, the job we used a minute ago and say, you know what? I'm here because I have to take care of family, feed the kids, you know, pet the dog, beat the wife, the whole bit, right? Okay, you know, beat the dog, pet the wife, I don't know, whatever, okay? You know, I have to do my responsibilities because the scripture says that if I don't, then I've denied the faith. I'm worse than an infidel. 
So my objectivity here on the job is to do what? Linda said it. We were talking the other day. And she goes, you know, I'm only, I'm only working for health insurance. And you know, today that's, that's basically it. <laughs> because of the cost of health insurance. Because we were talking about things in the past and stuff that we have, you know, kind of rehashed the good old days. Well, they weren't very good. They sure were old, but they weren't, you know. And the thing is, is why am I working the job? Because I, the Word of God has told me, the mind of Christ has told me to think about this a certain way. So that's what I'm doing. The flesh is preoccupied with what? The selfie. The self-life. And it deals with the things that only advance and promote me. Only defend me. What is the spirit mind? The things of Christ. You're in 1 Corinthians, come over to chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. You see, the, the things of the spirit, the minding of the spirit, the flesh says, you, you're, you are primo it, baby. The spirit comes along and says, Christ is primo, baby. <laughs> He is it. He's the preeminent one. And if you think about and and consume your life with how he thinks about things in your life, then you know what? You'll be the spiritual one judging things, and guess who? Nobody can come up and tell you differently. That's that that thing in chapter 215 about be judged of no man. If you're walking where you're supposed to be walking in the Spirit, nobody can come and say, no, you're not. Because guess what? You are in your life. Chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Notice what the Spirit's going to instruct us here. Notice it doesn't say so like Christ. It says so also is Christ. That's how God views you. He views us also is Christ. He views us in that eternal, loving, lasting, living union that we have with Him. And how we get it is verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. We have been all made to drink into one Spirit. You see that the emphasis on one here it's the whole positionally that's what we're talking about it's the holy spirit that unites us into that eternal communion with his body come over to second corinthians 3 let's let that sink in a little bit you see the spirit just isn't sitting over here Going, all right, let's do this. He's actively involved in you positionally in your identity. 2 Corinthians 3, notice verse 17. 
Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Isn't that amazing? Liberty. Freedom. Liberty and freedom from what? The self-life. 2 Corinthians 3.17. The selfie. But in the context of chapter 3, it's liberty from the law. When you go back up, starting in verse 6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter, what? Killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And then he goes down and he's talking about Moses being read daily and their, the veil and their binds are blinded. He's talking about law. He's talking about the religion. But wait a minute. That's exactly what we just saw in Romans 7. What did Romans 7 do to us? It killed us. It put us in a position where we were frustrated and we're functionally dead. It promoted the self-life. It promoted you being able to do it. However, what's verse 17 say? When the Spirit is there, what is there? Liberty and freedom from that mess. You see, the answer is Romans 8. The answer is verse 18. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Glass over there, James 1 calls glass and it equals it out to the word of God. Where do we behold open face the Lord? In his word. The glory of the Lord are Notice, changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know what he said? You know what he's saying in verse 18? Don't take a selfie. That's the wrong image to be taking. Don't measure your life based upon what you are able to achieve, to accomplish. But rather, we're to be looking at the glory of the Lord. We're to be minding the things of the Spirit. And man, when we do that, guess what happens? We're changed. Romans 12, it says, Be ye transformed by the renewing of... You're changed. And you're changed into that same image. You see, the things of the Spirit is to get us to spend our time thinking on the things of the Lord. Again, not taking the selfie, wrong image. <laughs> you know? When I take pictures, I took a selfie the other day by accident, and I immediately erased it. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, that was ugly. <laughs> that was brutal, you know. We have uh, a wall at home with all of the family pictures on it, and that's, the, that's, our, uh, that's our alarm for the house. <laughs> we set a mirror up so the front burglar coming in the window will see that and run. <laughs> you know, it's brutal, you know. So all my photos are the other way, out at the scenery, you know. <laughs> Yeah. That's the thing here. Changed into the same image from glory to glory. How? By the Spirit of the Lord. You see, the things of the Spirit is to get us to be conformed into the very glory of the one who we are eternally identified, and that's Christ. So come back to Romans 8. So when you think about what's happening here, this contrast between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh, the selfie, the self-life, the great I am, I'm, I'm it. We are looking for that perfect picture, the selfie. By the way, I never understood why you take pictures of your food. 
I saw that, you know, over the years you see people, oh, look at this. I can understand if it said happy birthday or happy anniversary. I got that. But, dude, a steak looks like a steak, you know. And mashed potatoes look like mashed potatoes. And uh, I, I can understand if you're, you know, out doing something special. But, man, you know. But it's got to be what? Perfect picture. You take your phone out. I was going to do this, take a selfie, you know. But I decided against it. You know, and you got all those different ways of filtering it and making it look this and that. Some of it's pretty cool, actually. But don't do that. That's the flesh. The Spirit comes in and He allows us to live in the realm of our identity in Christ. Not in, the, not in, not in our circumstances. Not in our turmoil. Not in our trouble. Because usually that's when you know things kind of fall apart is when things get because what do we say we can fix it and the God of all comfort and all mercy comes in and says I've already fixed it you've just got to look at it from my perspective we're to work in the realm of having our thinking be consumed with who we are in Christ and when we do that then what happens then is we live out our identity and the details of our lives that's why back in chapter 8 there well I'm sorry in Ephesians 5 when he says being thankful for every I just had it Ephesians 5 and verse 20 giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks always for all things. First Thessalonians 5 says giving thanks in or uh, in everything give thanks. First Thessalonians 5.18. But Ephesians 5 kicks that up a notch. And he says you need to have the mindset of who you are in Christ so that you can give thanks in the good times and in the bad times. Which, by the way, in Romans 8, we'll start down there about verse 35 to the end of the chapter, and that's exactly what he's going to tell you. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? None of this garbage can, so let's go live in who we are. Let's live in the identity. Now, real quick, we're going to do this next time because time's up almost. Come over with me to Galatians 5. We're going to spend one more time in here talking about this contrast because of something that's said here in Galatians 5, uh, starts in verse 16, This I say then, walk ye in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But it's really in verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. And it's the end of the verse that I really kind of want to look at with you. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You see, that war and that battle is over your thinking process, your mind. Because if I'm minding the things of the flesh, then I am not doing some of the things I'm supposed to be doing as who I am in Christ. I'm walking contrary. To Timothy, he says, they, walk, they oppose themselves. That's, when I'm over here in the flesh, guess what I'm opposing? I'm walking contrary to where I should be. And I just want to look down through that with you next time and uh, 
kind of do one more here in this section and kind of move on. I don't want to run out of Romans 8 because of, of the tremendous doctrine, the tremendous edification that's happening here in our inner man. We're in Romans 8. We're just getting started in life as a believer. And guess what has to be, it's got to be built into us, this stuff. Don't walk in the flesh. Don't mind the things that have, don't take the selfie. Okay? Let's take the right picture of the right image. By the way, in chapter 8 of Romans, he tells us that we're to be conformed to his image. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That's our destiny out there, ultimately. Okay? We're going to just kind of look at this contrast one more time, and then we'll get down in verse 9 to 13 and stuff. In 8.8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The reason for that, Galatians 5.17, is you're, you're, you're doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. And when you're walking in the flesh, in the law, in religion, in the self-life, you're not walking in who you are over here. You're not in the spirit life. So guess what you can't do? Well, what are you doing over here? You're trying to do what? Please God. Live right, do right. How to perform it. I try to do what's right, I do what's wrong. When I don't want to do what's wrong, I do what's wrong anyway. Romans 7, exactly. He says, no, let's be over here in Romans 8. And if you're in Romans 8, guess what you can do? Please, God. Now you can live right because you're living as who you are in the identity of who you are in Christ. You're walking after the things of the Spirit. You follow that? All right. I could have said that would have been done early, huh? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the instructions here, and for the look at it all. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll see you back here at 11. Help lemons or something, so help yourself.